In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be. Have you ever heard about the difference between the chicken and the pig when it comes to breakfast? <laughs> when it comes to breakfast, a chicken is involved in breakfast by supplying eggs, but the pig is committed because it's the bacon. Right? And what we have today in the gospel reading that the church puts before us is an example of full and unequivocal commitment to God. Christ is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees two fishermen. This is not the first time that they meet, by the way. And he says, follow me. They drop everything, and they go. Andrew had been a disciple of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist, in, in the Gospel of John chapter 1, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world, Andrew is one of the disciples that he's talking to. And he goes and meets Christ. And then he finds his brother Simon, brings him to Christ... And that's when Jesus says, Behold, you shall be Peter, that is, the rock. But they don't follow Christ from that moment on. Later on, this is another encounter. And they are prepared. And Christ says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In that moment, Andrew and Peter go from being the chicken to being the pig. They commit entirely, wholeheartedly, to Christ. And what's really amazing is what's not spoken here. There is no negotiation. Notice that Peter doesn't ask about the 401k. He doesn't ask about paid time off. How many weeks of vacation will I get? Do you, do you have child care provided? To which Christ would say, yes, the best child care. <laughs> but they commit, and it's also amazing to think about what they decommit from. This is what Deacon Tom and I were talking about before the service this morning. And Deacon Tom said this. He said, they decommit from everything else. And oftentimes, what we like to do is commit to things without decommitting to other things. But the truth is, everything you say yes to requires ten things to say no to. That's why this year one of my New Year's resolutions was to say no. To say no to things I was asked to do. Would you like to teach? No. Would you like to be on the board for this? No. Somebody, so my goal was to say no for this year so I could actually have some time to recalibrate, reorient, and, and um, also recharge and recommit. Recommit to the things that I have said yes to. It's important over the last few years I've, I've pushed aside, I've removed from my plate many commitments. Why? So that I could be more committed 
as a priest, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a Christian. So, this is one of the first points. When we commit to Christ, we have to be willing to decommit to other things. I'll give you an example. This winter, I was asked if I wanted to be in a show, a community theater show. It's a great show. There was actually a, 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 a role for, for, for a pastor, for a reverend. I was like, oh, that would be so much fun. Yeah, the show was running right during Lent. I was like, no, can't happen. I've committed to being a priest, a parish priest. My commitment is to be at church first and foremost. I can't do that. As much fun as it would be, as much as I would enjoy it, and it could be a good time, that wasn't for me. So, when we commit to following Christ, we have to commit to Him wholeheartedly. Okay? And just as Peter and Andrew and James and John don't sit there and negotiate, they also aren't asking, well, what if? What if somebody gets mad at you and comes after me? They actually kind of know that's part of the deal. Christ doesn't make any promises. He doesn't make any threats, but he doesn't make any promises about anything. And they just go. And they are so committed to Christ that James and John, the next two fishermen that Christ calls, they leave their father. And the church uh, fathers who comment on this say that Zebedee wasn't ready to follow Christ in that moment. So they leave their father with the family business. Here, you mend the nets. They were poor. Zebedee could have used the help. He probably didn't have the money to hire somebody else. But it's so important to James and John to follow the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the Savior, that they're willing to put their relationship with their earthly father on the line in order to draw close to the Heavenly Father. Most of the time in, in the Christian life, we want all the gifts and the healings that come with being a disciple of Christ, but we actually don't want to do the work of being a disciple. We want God to protect us. We want God to heal us. We want God to save us. But we often aren't willing to serve Him with heart, soul, mind, and strength. We often take the role of the chicken rather than the pig. But Christ calls us to holiness. He calls all of us to holiness. And He calls all of us to be His followers. But too many times we end up as a fan of Jesus rather than a follower. We end up as a fan of orthodoxy rather than a follower of the church's teachings. What's the difference between a fan and a follower? I can be a fan of a sports team, but there's no 
reciprocity of relationship. Right? The fandom normally goes one way. Right? I don't expect the San Francisco 49ers to take care of me when I'm sick. To call me, you know, to send me a get well card, to send their quarterback to come say prayers over me. I don't expect that. I'm a fan. Right? Also, because I'm a fan and not a follower, they can't expect to call me and say, hey, we need you at the stadium and you better pony up and this and that and whatever, or else you're out of the group. <laughs> that doesn't work that way. If you're a follower, though, there's a reciprocity. There's actually a relationship that goes both ways. There's a relationship. I've been listening recently to a podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. That was a big... 15,000 person mega church in Seattle that closed uh, about eight years ago. And, um, and their lead pastor, he even says, like, yeah, I'm the pastor of 15,000 people. Like, he doesn't know 15,000 people in his church. There's no way. He even admits it. He says, I meet people all the time that say, I, I go to your church. He's like, that's great. Thanks so much. Like, they're fans, not followers, right? There's no relationship there. They just like what he says. Ultimately, we're supposed to follow Christ. And with following Christ should come a relationship with Him. There should come an expectation of reciprocity. If you expect God to come to your aid, then He should be able to expect you to serve Him. That's what it means to be a follower. So, I've made a list. I like my lists. I've made a list about the difference between being a fan and being a follower. And I hope some of this will be helpful. A fan of Christ might stop hating their enemy, but a follower of Christ will love their enemy and forget them. A fan of Christ might like Jesus on Facebook. They might like some quote from a church father on Facebook. A follower would be willing to give up Facebook and social media. A fan might fit time into their calendar to come to church when they have time. A follower builds their calendar around the worship of the church. A fan of Christ might give their leftover money to the church. A follower gives their first fruits. A fan might buy lots of prayer books and icons and prayer ropes. A follower uses them and praise before the icons. A fan might have a Bible, even an Orthodox study Bible, because that's the right one. A follower reads the Bible all the time. A fan of Christ might point out opportunities for ministry, but a follower ministers. And a fan might seek personal glory by being associated with the church. Look at me, I'm a Christian. Look at me, I'm Orthodox. 
But a follower always gives glory to God. A fan might know where the church is. A follower goes to church. A fan might wear a cross, but a follower bears the cross. Brothers and sisters, we are all called to holiness. We are all called by Christ to follow Him. But He gives us freedom. We don't have to. But if we don't, what gives us the right to expect anything from Him? If we don't engage in that relationship. We are all called to take our relationship with God from fandom beyond fandom to that of a true follower. To that of somebody who's willing to be a martyr, who's willing to give up their life for the Lord. And I'll finish with a brief story. There's someone on our prayer list now named Father Varnava. It's spelled with B's, but you pronounce the B's as V's in the Fijian language. He is a Fijian priest, and he died within the last couple weeks. Michael Jones, our friend and missionary to Fiji, messaged me and said, please pray for Father Varnava. He was only 54 years old. I don't know the cause of death. But Father Varnava, he encountered Metropolitan Amphilokios. Metropolitan Amphilokios was the one who started the mission in Fiji. And he was walking down the street and he stops in a store. And it happened to be Father Varnava's store. Father Varnava was a Hindu. But he sought God. He really sought God. He wanted to be a good person. But he was a full-fledged Hindu and had no plans of being a Christian. Had hardly ever talked to a Christian. And Metropolitan Amphilokio stops in his store and he is so effusive with love and kindness that Father Varnava starts crying. And they have a very pleasant talk. A week later, the bishop comes back. And they talk again. And the bishop is talking to him through a translator, through a nun, a Fijian nun. And the bishop says, ask him if he will be a priest. And she said, I can't do that. He's not even a Christian. I can't ask him to do that. That would be offensive. The bishop said, ask him if he will be a priest for me. And she asked, and the tears come, and he said, yes. Yes, I'll be a priest. So he goes home. He goes home from work that day, sees his wife. She says, hi, dear, how's work? You're never going to believe this. I'm going to be a priest, a Christian priest. She said, you're not Christian. She's like, I'm going to be a Christian too. I've met the most wonderful man. And by all accounts, everybody says Metropolitan Amphilokios is a walking saint. But he was so full of love, that's how he became a fisher of men. Metropolitan Amphilokios followed Christ, and he was so full of the grace of God, so full of the love of God, he was such a follower, a disciple, that he caught Father Varnava in his net. 
Father Varnava was the first fruit of the Fijian mission. He went to Greece, was ordained, came back and converted many, many people to the Christian faith, to the Orthodox faith. He became a follower and he gave his whole life. The storefront, gone. The Hindu practice, gone. No syncretism, he's all in. And the question is, what can God do with us if we decide to truly follow him? To stop being a fan and having orthodox flavored practices and truly be orthodox and Christian. What can God do with us? Will there be pain along the way? Probably. Will there be sacrifice? Definitely. Will there be joy? Absolutely. Brothers and sisters, let us, as we pray for Father Varnava, for the repose of his soul, let us remember his tears, his desire for God, and his willingness to trust God and follow Him with His whole life. Let us use the example of Andrew and Peter, James and John, and be willing to leave behind the passions, the cares, the attachments, the addictions, the selfishness, all the things that hold us back. Let us follow God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. Let us become true disciples. Let us become true Christians. That we can spend all of eternity with these blessed disciples, with the choir of angels, and with all the saints, including the saints of North America, whom we commemorate today singing and praising and blessing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst.